Welcome back to another Fact Podcast. This is Dr. Fred Clary, and we're going to continue on our series on Sarah Who? Serotonin, one of the most powerful and important neurotransmitters in our body. But it's more than a neurotransmitter. It's involved in many other physiological functions, just not in humans, as we talked about in part one. It's involved in many processes in bacteria, protozoa, insects, birds. There's nothing that you look outside at from your window that doesn't, that's alive, that doesn't use serotonin in some ways. It's just not a happy hormone that's in our brain that if you watch TV commercials that would lead you to think that's all it's used for. And today we're going to, in part two, we're going to cover in a little more in depth on the different areas in your body that it's utilized for and maybe some ways you can influence or balance serotonin or allow your body to run more efficiently and smoothly day in, day out. And some of that consideration is to understand what serotonin is for. Also today in this podcast, we're going to cover over negativity bias. What is negativity biased and how does it affect our body brain circuitry? So if you recall in part one, we talked about how serotonin predates, predates humans, vertebrates, hell, you know, even, you know, most animals that you see out your window or at the zoo. In part one, we also covered how serotonin affects respiratory, cardiovascular, gastrointestinal, gentle urinary, I mean, reproductive health. Um, it's on platelets for clotting and blood flow. So serotonin is used for more things than just the happy mood. And we're going to cover some of the more things today, but we're also going to cover the areas that you can help with. I remember uh, one of my first patients who came in years ago, this would have been almost 30 years ago, saying they were depressed and that their general practitioner or doctor had given them um, some medication. And uh, that medication was for depression. And I'm like, looked up the medication in the PDR. That's when we had big, thick books, as big as telephone books. So many people don't even know what that is out there, especially some of you millennials won't know what that is. But it's a big, thick book, about uh, four to five inches thick. Um, where you would go to look up these medications. You know, the internet was just getting going when I uh, graduated uh, chiropractic college. So, you know, to say you could turn to that, no. And computers weren't fast e either. So it was a lot faster to get into your car, drive to the library, and look it up in the PDR and come back. So, you know, I looked up the medication, and, and what the medication was trying to do for this patient was to raise their serotonin. And I thought that was amazing. And I'm like, oh, wow, the patient has some condition where they can't produce their own serotonin for some reason. There's some type of serotonin deficiency. And when I talked to the patient more, it's like, oh, wow, you know, what's going on? And I asked about diet and rest and sleep hygiene, how, how well you sleep, how many hours you sleep, where you sleep going through some real basic health history, I realized that this patient was protein deficient. 
this this patient did not get enough protein and serotonin was made out of protein and you know I wasn't a medical doctor didn't prescribe this drug and didn't play one on TV but I was like really shocked and I'm like I gave the medical doctor a call because that's what I was taught in school to for collaborative care make sure you integrate and send information and send a letter and it was one of my first phone calls uh, to the allopathic community one of many, many to come over three decades and, and letters and cards and postcards so and faxes. So I basically just basically called this doctor and said, hey, what's going on? You know, is there some type of deficiency? And, you know, he acted like I had a hole in my head. And I said, well, the patient's only getting, you know, 20 to 30 grams of quality protein, you know, a day. That's not enough to produce anything. You know, it's not enough to produce hair on your head or face, much less, you know, serotonin in your gut or your brain. And uh, I think the guy proceeded to hang up on me. It's an interesting story to remember. And I'm like, oh, well, I guess I'll just have to recommend to the patient to eat what the RDA for protein is and maybe add a little bit more because you are sick and trying to heal. And of course, the patient, you know, kept taking the medication, but also, you know, increased protein per my recommendation, started feeling great, and eventually working with the medical doctor, got off the medication. And the medical doctor was shocked how, how powerful that was. And I'm like, the, the patient wasn't getting enough building blocks to produce serotonin. And if you can't eat it, then you don't make it. It's not, you know, produced by pixie dust poured over your head. It actually has to be ingested and processed. So I should probably do the disclaimer here. These podcasts, all of them, are for informational purposes only. They're not meant to diagnose or treat any disease. And if you have anything jacked physiologically, you have any symptoms, please see your medical doctor, your chiropractor, your osteopath, your nurse practitioner, your physician's assistant, your certified midwife, you need to go to someone who can help you assess and treat these conditions. Don't try to treat them on your own. Dr. Google will lead you down a dark path. Now saying that, let's continue on with the story of, of serotonin part two. Now look at this. So my patient I was talking about just raised protein levels and the body was able to do what it's supposed to do. I start to ask myself, how many cases of chronic pain, depression, mental health, you know, heart problems, reproductive problems, all these issues that serotonin, that's just one, one monoamine, which comes from amino acids, which comes from protein. That's just one neurotransmitter, neurohormone, if you will, in the body that is produced by protein. It can only be produced by protein. And your body, if it's not getting it, will try to break down your own, you know, skin cells, muscle cells, cardiovascular system to to make it. It needs protein to make 5-HT or serotonin. And that's just one uh, neurotransmitter we're talking about today. And I thought to myself, well, maybe there's more. Just recommend normal protein intake for these patients. And over the years, thousands of patients, yes, thousands of patients, apparently uh, my staff has gone through and seen thousands of patients I've seen 
since you know 1992 and that's not counting the 1980s where i worked in a physical therapy clinic how many conditions could be solved could be improved could be you don't want to use the word cure because you only can cure hams but could be affected by increasing quality protein I mean, if I could just get up on a soapbox and say, just eat enough quality protein. And this is just not for athletes or power lifters. People want to be stronger. No, just the average person who's got all these conditions. I can't tell you how many cases of fibromyalgia, Lyme's disease, chronic pain. I'm blown away about how many people come in and they're not taking enough protein to produce enough serotonin to reverse the things they have, much less maintain normal function, normal physiology. If they were 100% healthy, the diet they're on now would lead them to get sick because they couldn't produce enough serotonin. And that's just one. That's one. We haven't talked about dopamine. We haven't talked about GABA. We haven't talked about you know adrenaline, which we will in, in future um, podcasts. So I thought, wow, you know, can it be that easy? Can, can allowing the body to get the nutrients it needs, can it be that easy to help some of these problems? And perhaps it can. And then I got to thinking on some of the laws of biology, like the first law of bi- biology is adaptation through natural selection, which we call evolution, and that your body will learn to adapt. It's trying to adapt. The CNS will always adapt. So if you're getting low, low, low protein, you actually start to rewire your brain circuitry, your gut digestion circuitry, your heart and respiratory to try to go with on lower economical levels of serotonin, not the normal ones. You get on a budget and the body tries to survive. The thing that happens with that is you downregulate receptors which means if you do flood the body with serotonin, you're going to get side effects because you don't have enough doors for the serotonin to go through because they've been downregulated. They come off the cell membrane. They get pulled under because there's no serotonin there. And it rewires the, the circuitry where you have sensitized circuitry that can run with lower levels of serotonin. And then when you bomb it, guess what? It, go, it becomes a little hyperreactive. There's plenty of stuff written about this. And we're not even talking about things that, you know, like negativity bias. What is negativity bias? Well, that's where at a young age, say you're exposed to trauma. Um, You know, you're born in a tough neighborhood, a tough family. You saw physical violence. You had emotional violence. And the brain will rewire for lower levels of serotonin because serotonin is just not there to keep you happy you know, having a stable mood helps in evolution so you survive. You know, sorry, depressed, dopey Eeyores don't procreate and run away from saber-toothed tigers. So our brain, it's called negativity bias, will actually change. And what we find is that the serotonin transporter in the nervous system, 5 HTT. LPR, you don't have to remember that, there's no quiz later, but this this mover of serotonin in the neuron, it stops functioning well, and it actually will epigenetically change your gene where you don't have good movers and shakers 
of serotonin. What does that mean? You learn to be sad. And sadness becomes the primary program that you run. It's not some philosophical concept. It's not some, you know, spiritual concept. It's the serotonin transporter. I was at a seminar up in St. Cloud, Minnesota a couple weeks ago, and some individuals were talking about, you know, the spiritual nature or the philosophical nature of positive thinking versus negative thinking. And of course, I walked by and I said, I don't know if it's so psychological or spiritual, though our conscious brain can perceive it as that. But on the biological level, it's 5-HTT-LPR. And when you have a problem with 5-HTT-LPR, then guess what? You can have all the serotonin in the world. You're still going to be sad. And it explains where some of these antidepressants and other chemicals or even, say, diets or supplements, you know, like melatonin or 5-HTP or, you know, all these things, these precursors to serotonin don't work in some people. Because it's not just the receptor, it's just not the chemical, it's just not the enzyme to create serotonin. The transporter, 5-HTT-LPR, is not working. And of course, when I looked at these doctors who are very well known, and I said, yeah, it's just 5-HTT-LPR in these cases, they don't work. You know, they looked at me like I had a hole in my head. And I simply just had to quietly and slowly explain to them that they became wired to be Eeyores, to have this negativity bias. And you can't, you can't inject a cat with a special chemical and make it become a dog. It doesn't work that way. You know, we're biologically wired for negativity bias. One injection, one pill, one lotion, one chemical will not rewire it. But through neuroplasticity, over time, it takes years, we can make new connections. But you constantly have to be hammering those connections. That's why when someone goes on a magical diet and they don't feel better, it doesn't work, I kind of giggle. Someone says, well, I'm trying detox and I'm trying gluten-free or gluten-sensitive or gluten-friendly or vegan or plant-based or paleo or Neanderthal or whatever they're doing. I said, that's great. I'm, I'm all for hope. You know, keep going. And they say, well, you know, things aren't changing. And I look at them and say, what's the half-life of your red blood cells? And they're like, what? How, what is the half-life of every one of your red blood cells? It's 90 days, right? Something like that, three to six months. So you have to be on a diet for three to six months before the old blood, all the crap that you have in there is, is used up and now you produce new stuff. So that's why I always tell someone when you go into detox, do it slow, tiny, just change your diet, diet or your eating habits and give it six months. Yes, six months. So if you want to get in shape for the beach, it's winter, start now. And you, those slow changes will slowly change. And that's just the red blood cells. Neurologically, you have to change your thinking a little bit every day, every day to up-regulate serotonin and to get 5-HTT-LPR, you know, used properly. And we're not even talking people about people genetically who's a serotonin transporter or receptors are janky and are very ineffective. So what are some of the other things that can affect negativity bias and help you 
with your serotonergic system. That's a fancy word for the serotonin system. Um, balance. Well, let's just look at why you would be wired that way and why serotonin wouldn't be used correctly. Let's just look at your body arousal. If you have an increased startle response, you're stressed out. You ever seen someone who's jumpy and they get stressed out and they jump? You know, they're in fight or flight. They're ready to run away from the saber tooth tiger or throw a stick at it right now. That person is is already sympathetically, that's what we call it, sympathetically, the sympathetic nervous system is turned on, wired. So an increased startle response. It also tells me that their heart rate's up. So maybe they, they run it at 72 beats a minute. They may be at 80 or 85. Not enough to blow out your heart and have a heart attack, but it's raised up 10 beats. So that 10 beat increase or slightly more tells the nervous system, tells the body, you know, that, you know, we're in fight or flight. That actually increases more uh, receptor activity of dopamine, getting ready to run. Dopamine, remember, is our neurotransmitter we use for movement and running. So in serotonin response, we'll actually go down. So that's one way if you want to shut down your serotonin transporter, screw up your serotonin production, change enzymatic degradation of um, serotonin for the negative, and screw up serotonin receptor affinity it's called mess up the ability for those doors to open for serotonin is to keep the heart rate high um so you got increased respirations you got hyperventilation syndrome you got increased heart rate so you have an increased startle response also in the brain you have conscious fears and unconscious fears you know so in the amygdala in the right ventricle of the medial prefrontal cortex you have areas where say you see a rattlesnake or you see something that's scary and you react to it now a lot of these are unconscious you may be driving through a neighborhood that reminds you of a neighborhood you got mugged in and that will fire up an unconscious fear and lead to the sympathetic state fight or flight as we said and that will screw up your serotonin. There's some people that are still living in the house where they got mugged. There's some people that are still driving the car in which the love of their life broke up with them. And they get into the same car and they wonder why, you know, they don't have a good day. Because every time you go into that, that car, what evolution does biologically is say, this is bad, lower serotonin, raise all the other hormones, we got to run away. And the the person has no idea this is happening. This can be, and we're just not talking about PTSD, post-traumatic stress syndrome. This is a mild form of it. This is the way we're biologically wired. There's a reason you need to give back, you know, the boyfriend's varsity jacket, letterman jacket. Um, it's not because it isn't warm. It's because you don't want to have those reminders, which change the state of your serotonin transporter and receptors. Then we have, of course, the conscience fears, which can run through the brain. It can pick up some pain circuitry, too. And so you have the conscious ones. You get a knock on the door. Your kid's been gone, you know, past curfew, and it's a cop. You know, you're about to have a heart attack. And it could just been, you know, the father of the boy bringing the girl home. Say, oh, sorry, we're a little over. The hockey game ran over, you know. But it didn't have to do it with reality. It's what you saw and what you represented. And then you change your serotonergic system 
immediately. So say you have a condition or you don't want a condition, you just want to protect your serotonin system. What's some easy ways to do it? Well, one is to eat lots of protein, lots of protein. Proteins make up the amino acids, the building blocks that will lead to serotonin production. And if it's not present, then guess what? At ample proteins not present, then your body has to go on a budget and decide, well, do I produce serotonin or do I repair this blood vessel? Do I produce serotonin or do I fix this gut or this skin issue? It's got to make a decision. And don't leave it up to your DNA. Don't leave it up to physiology. Why don't you just give it plenty so the innate intelligence, the inborn intelligence of the body can pick what's best for it. Eat less saturated fat, trans fatty acids. Get the garbage fats out. They tend to be inflammatory. And when there's a lot of inflammatory chemicals in your blood, your brain gets hoodwinked to think it's in fight or flight. Yes, I know. It thinks it's been battling and you, you know, caught a few uh, uppercuts to the chin and someone threw you to the ground like a saber-toothed tiger. Those chemicals go through the brain and for the last, I don't know, 100,000 years, when those chemicals have been in the brain, it meant you were fighting for your life. Now it just means you went to McDonald's. But 100,000 years ago, 50,000 years ago, if you were a Neanderthal or a Cro-Magnon, it meant you were fighting for your life. And that's the way the brain represents it unconsciously. And that's where we get the change in the serotonergic system. Um, consume probiotics. Probiotics? You mean kimchi? You mean or kombucha or fermented foods? Fred, what does that have to do? Like we said in part one, 90% of your serotonin supply comes from your gut. And if you have an unhealthy gut, you have an unhealthy nervous system. So how do I achieve better intestinal health? Um, avoid excessive alcohol. Avoid refined, sugar-rich, fiber-poor foods. Um, avoid antacids and all the antibiotics. And try to eat whole, unprocessed, nutrition foods. Drink a lot of water. And if you have to, like I said, go after the probiotics. Try to add to it. How else can you affect your serotonergic system for the positive, get more exercise, get enough sleep, listen to music. There are actually studies showing that if you listen to your favorite music, the serotonergic system responds to beautiful music. I don't know if it responds to screamo death metal, but we know that if it's music that you like, that it actually relaxes you helps you breathe lower and slower, more efficiently. It lowers your heart rate. Heart rate becomes more efficient. Heart becomes efficient. Digestion's better. So think about what kind of music you listen to. And also meditate. Now meditate doesn't mean you have to put on a smock, go up into a cave, and say a sacred mantra over and over again. And now if you do that, that's cool. Just realize what you're doing is affecting your serotonin system. And whether you think you're being spiritual or doing a little serotonin work, the, the same outcome can occur. And then some of the final things you think about is getting enough sunshine, natural sunlight. It's just not for the vitamin D. But sun, for whatever reason, 
help set some of the other circuitries in our brain that serotonin is utilized for, like our natural biorhythms. Is we supposed to, are we supposed to be hibernating in a cave right now? Or am I supposed to be up? And this is where a lot of people get seasonal affective disorder, where they really get really ill and they actually get lower serotonin levels because they don't see sunlight. It's because they're supposed to be hibernating. They're not supposed to be up and moving. So the body says, hey, I'm not going to make you happy being up and moving because right now you're supposed to be happy asleep. So what happens unconsciously is our brain kind of like, you know, takes over and says, nope, I don't want you up and moving. You're going to make you depressed because right now we're supposed to be hibernating. So one thing you can do is, you know, trick your body a little bit and get some natural sunlight or get out of the building once in a while, you know, and get some sunlight. Take off the sunglasses, look up to the sky. Don't look directly into the sunlight. They will burn your retinas out, just like your mom said. But just look up and get some sunshine. And if you have to, you can use a sun lamp or a sunlight at home. And then finally, consider using supplements. There's many supplements out there. Tryptophan, that's the amino acid they can turn into serotonin. 5-HT. You can take phenylalanine. Phenylalanine is amino acid. They can either go to dopamine or serotonin. That, well, that way you are allowing your body to choose what to do. And also make sure you're getting enough good fats and good proteins as if hammered over and over again. So I hope you've enjoyed part two. I hope we've uh, covered um, some more about serotonin and the fact that it's in your control. You know, go ahead and make sure you're getting enough water, enough protein, that you have a healthy gut, you're getting enough sleep and exercise. Make sure that you're meditating and listening to music that you like, calming music, so you can efficiently go through life with a healthy serotonin balance that's balanced for you and not for someone else or your neighbor or what a book says or the piece of paper that comes from a medication. The prescription insert. This is Dr. Clary signing off on another podcast. Thank you for listening to me today. And if you found anything in this podcast interesting, please share it with your friends or family. Have a fantastic day.